good morning. So, what if you could change anything you wanted to achieve in your life? It sounds a bit impossible. Today I'm here to tell you that it's absolutely possible. We know people in the world who are achieving this every day, in all spheres of life. So why can't we achieve the same? So if I had a magic lamp, and I passed it around to everyone in the audience today, I can bet you there would be at least one thing you would want to change in your life. And over a period of time, as I've asked different people this question, the thing that they want to change in their life can vary. There's a huge variety of things that they would want to change. It can be personal, so anything from changing your appearance to how old you are, uh, you know, who you're married to, whatever. Um, it can be financial. A lot of people actually say, oh, I want a million dollars, billion dollars, trillion dollars, I want a certain type of car, a certain type of house. It can be professional. I chose the wrong career, I want to be something else. I want to do better. I want that promotion, I want to be the boss. It can be with, about your love life. Need to break up with the current relationship. Need to be with somebody else. Or what I call better world kind of wishes. So, world peace. Save a species, save the environment. There's always something we want to change. And since I was very young, in fact, I was in school, I've been asking this question, how some people in this world can actually be change makers to the extent that they can change the geography of the world. They can leave an impact on people who can live centuries after they even die. But they're also human, and so are we. So what is it that they do that they can do all this? There's, there's always something that we want to change, but how? So how do we do that? What can we learn? And I'm the kind of person that I always feel like there's some kind of code. I always, in my life, I notice how people behave and how things happen. And it's because I always believed that in everything you can see a pattern. And if you can notice a pattern of what happens, maybe in history, in politics, in the rise and fall of nations, in current social trends, political trends, there's always a pattern, I believe. And if you can notice that pattern, then you can use it to your advantage, right? So when we come to humans, I started studying a lot of things. I thought I would find this pattern in any kind of discipline. So I studied biology, I studied art history, I studied English literature, I studied psychology and international relations. And privately, this was all my school and university and my degrees, but I privately also studied all the major world religions because I thought religion is supposed to make us a better person. So maybe if I could distill all the teachings from all the religions, I could again have that code of success. So, I kept studying and looking for this code until one day I came across this book. It's called The Treatment of Multiple Personality Disorder by Dr. Brown, and it's published by the American Psychiatry Press. And basically, it, if you know what multiple personality disorder is, it's now called Dissociative Identity Disorder. And it basically means that there is a host personality within the same body. And that is the host because that is normally the personality that comes seeking for help because 
they're losing memory, they, have, they turn up in places where they don't know how they got there, um, they turn up with objects that they possess which they don't know how they got them, uh, and so on and so forth. And they, they come with all the symptoms of, of the disease, but then they host other personalities within the same body. And what I learned by reading that book was, if one personality in the same body is allergic to something, the other personality may not be the same body. If one personality can be colorblind or be short-sighted, another personality can have full 20-20 vision. Just think about this. It's the same set of eyes. What changed? The mind and the personality. To the extent that there was a personality that had diabetes, even epilepsy, and other personalities did not have those illnesses. Certain personalities can have different ages and different genders, and that's not the personality thinking that it's five years old or that personality is 35 years old within the same person. Physical changes happen in the body according to what age that personality believes they are. So to give you an example, if you were, if Dr. Braun actually gives this case study in the book, if you give 5-MG diazepam, a drug with, you know, researched, you know what, what's going to happen in the body once you administer this drug, 5-MG of diazepam given to a personality when the five-year-old child is active in the same body, the five-year-old child is active, that drug will react on the body as if it were given to a five-year-old. That body and that personality will get extremely sedated, very relaxed, and almost asleep. And these are scientific studies. While that same dose of that drug was in the body, in the same body, and the personality switched, the same drug on the same body would react completely differently, and the 35-year-old exhibited symptoms of anxiety, confusion, racing thoughts, and palpitations. Now, the reason why I'm telling you all of this is literally to tell you literally how much control you have, whether you know it or not, over your own body, over illnesses, different kinds of pathologies, psychological or physical, even over your appearance. When the personalities change, the same body can appear taller, hold themselves differently, even the facial structure can change. It sounds like a weird sci-fi movie I'm talking about, but you can research about all of this for yourself and verify it. So how is this relevant? Scientists are actually studying that if the mind can do this unconsciously to protect itself from some horrible trauma that's happened in that person's past, because that's where normally disassociative identity disorder has been found to stem from. But if the mind is capable of doing that, how can we harness that power to actually improve lives for people like the people sitting in this audience? But before we actually get there, I was thinking about this and I thought at least what we can start doing is control our emotions. 
Because basically, according to different uh, theories, from the first century Chinese writings, those are some of the oldest records we have of what the human race was doing, all the way to modern theory. There is this theory that our emotions, and there are some basic emotions which literally, the reason why they've been defined as the basic emotions is because they have been found in babies in the womb. They haven't been learned. They're intrinsic to human nature. And as we grow, yes, we can, these emotions evolve, they become more complicated, we learn how to react to different things around us. But all the way to modern day theory, currently, the basic emotions are joy, fear, trust, surprise, sadness, disgust, anger, and anticipation. So the, they have been arranged in like a color wheel. And just like, I don't know if you know about the theory of like how colors work, so there are some primary colors, and they can be mixed together in various shades to form a huge spectrum of colors of the entire world that we know. Similarly, there's a few basic emotions that we are born with, and then those emotions can mix with each other to form a huge variety of complicated emotions that we can feel. But the basic are those, the ones that I told you. So here I've put them a bit separately in a left-hand column and a right-hand column. So if you look at these emotions, what has happened is we've been trained to think that perhaps joy, trust, surprise, I mean, given that it's not a bad surprise, uh, or anticipation can actually be positive things. Right? We want there to be joy and trust in our lives. However, we've been trained to think that anger, fear, sadness, we don't want them in our life. We want to stay away from them. We don't want to be angry. When we're angry or when we're sad, we try to suppress it, ignore it, avoid it, do anything to make it go away. What I want to tell you today is that there are no good or bad emotions. Because all of these emotions equally make up who you are as a person. They make up your personality. But they also control even your unconscious and subconscious mind. They control the decisions you make about your life every single moment of every single day. And if you can just learn how to control these basic emotions, you will be able to completely change your life. And how do you do that? So I have a very simple three-step system. So next time you're feeling one of the emotions that you've been trained to kind of get rid of, like anger or fear, Instead, just acknowledge it. Don't think to yourself, I have to stop feeling this. Because if there was no fear in this world, we'd all do pretty stupid things. If there was no anger in this world, there are actually a lot of social things and functions that would stop happening. All you have to do is acknowledge that emotion, and then convert it. Convert it into what? A positive energy. If you think about it, think about somebody who you really admire, somebody you look up to. Whether it's a famous entrepreneur, whether it's a famous politician, somebody who changed the map of the earth, 
think about where they started. Chances are they didn't start from happiness. Chances are they wanted to move towards happiness, but they actually started from a place of fear or disgust. The difference between us and them was that they were able to control that emotion, acknowledge that emotion, convert that emotion into a positive energy that not only changed their life, but the lives of everyone around them and possibly the life for generations of people ahead. It is that simple. And instead of giving you a larger-than-life example, today I'm going to give you the example of my mother. So I was eight years old, and my father passed away. I had two younger sisters, aged six and two. And my fourth sister was born 20 days after my father passed away. So my mother was full-term. She had never worked a day in her life. She didn't even know how to write a check. And the entire family thought, this family, nothing's going to happen of them. What are they going to do? They're going to live on family support for the rest of their lives. They're not going to have a very good life. And people said these things to my mother and to even me as the eldest, as an eight-year-old. And it wasn't that my mother wasn't sad. She loved and still loves my father a lot to this day. She misses him still every single day. But within three years of his death, she had moved us to Ireland so that her children could have a better opportunity in life. And that's where all my education is from. So that she didn't have to put up with a patriarchal culture that wouldn't let her live in peace with four girls as a single woman. And within five years of my father's death, she was buying and selling houses. She was dealing in property. And that's how she managed to raise four girls very successfully, without wanting anything, without working a day in her life, actually. I never saw my mom get up in the morning and go to the office. She was just always there whenever we needed her. And when I grew up and realized this miracle that she had pulled off, I asked her, how did you do it? You had no skills. You didn't even know what to do. And she literally just said, I knew what I wanted to achieve, but I didn't let my heartbreak get in the way. She, used, she still uses that daily sadness. Every morning she says she wakes up and she realizes my father isn't there. She uses that sadness to make sure she wakes up that day and does something good for somebody in the world. And this is not only something you can implement in your life. I realized that I can make my five-year-old daughter implement this in her life as well. Because to be honest, I didn't know how to react when the parent, mother of the child who was bullying her, she was five years old, and the principal called both parents. And when I asked her what she was going to do about it, she said, I'm not going to do anything about it because you need to tell your daughter to grow up. This is life. You either bully or you get bullied. And I was in shock. <laughs> I was just staring at her. And I had no, there was a huge mix of emotions inside me. But instead of screaming at her, 
I left that meeting, I came home. And I asked my five-year-old daughter how it made her feel when that bully did something bad to her. And she said, it makes me cry. And I said, but you do have realized that that's more about the bully and how they feel about themselves, but not you. It's nothing to do with you. And what do you think about the other children who that bully targets as well? And her eyes kind of opened and she said, I don't know. And I said, now that you know what it feels like, why don't you just keep an eye out for other kids who are being targeted and make them your friend? And she, at five years of age, managed to change the situation around just by acknowledging her emotion and converting it into a positive energy. She not only made more friends, she is now friends with that girl who was bullying her. It took a year and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of breakdowns, but ultimately it happened. So what I'm trying to tell you today is that my mother was able to turn around her financial, her personal, her physical reality just by making sure she controlled her emotions, not her emotions controlling her. And if she can do it, if my five-year-old can do it, I'm sure everyone in this audience can just stop next time you're in the middle of a, what you call negative emotion, just acknowledge that you're feeling it, and think about how you can convert it to a positive energy. That's all I'm asking you to do. And trust me, soon you'll be able to find that you are able to literally achieve whatever you wanted in life. Thank you.